just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Now, listen, I know you Americans, at least, are thinking about Thanksgiving. And you should. That's great. I think you Canadians already celebrated it or something. Anyway, did you know that November also is National Adoption Month? And I don't know who makes these things up, but I am fully on board with this one uh, for all sorts of reasons. But I was adopted. So adoption is something that I am just a big advocate of and so i like to talk about it so you're gonna learn about some interesting things about adoption uh about the process about um the demand i think that's uh, always a question in people's minds and may get into some other pro-life issues because this is a pro-life issue and so i'm excited to have back with me on life today live herbie newell who is the president and executive director of lifeline children's services he knows what he's talking about. Uh, so great conversation. You guys are invited to be part of the conversation. always uh, appreciate it. If you haven't subscribed or liked or followed, do that uh, and hit share, and we'll have a good conversation. Herbie, great to have you back. Randy, thanks for having me. And uh, just so delighted to be able to talk about this topic that I know is near and dear to both of our hearts. Well, explain to people why it is near to yours and what you do with it. Yeah, well, you know, even in your intro, as you talked about this being a pro-life topic, uh, really our hearts as a family were bent towards adoption. When my wife, Ashley, started working at a crisis pregnancy center right out of college, uh, right after we got married, and we would sit literally around the dinner table and pray for these women that had come into her center and really just wrestle with what was the best answer for these women. Many of them were uh, not sufficiently at a place in life where they could pull off being a single parent. And, and many of them already had kids that had been taken away either in foster care or by a family member. And, and it, God really started to open up our hearts and our lives to adoption. We, we both had been in families where adoption was something that had been a part of, of those families growing. And it, it, it really, for us, we saw adoption as a great option to a crisis or unplanned pregnancy uh, for, for many women. And so uh, we started to pray through and look at that. And the Lord just continually illuminated in his word, not only his call to care and to adopt and to foster, but also uh, the, the analogous relationship that, that in our salvation, we are adopted into the family of God. So yeah. all of these things were, were really what, what got, what built our passion and fanned our, fanned our passion into flame. So the obvious question is, is, did you end up adopting? Well, you know, what's interesting is uh, we went to a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert in 2003, which is, a, I think everybody and their brother went to that one, <laughs> uh, where he was announcing that he had just adopted Shohana. And we left that concert knowing that that's how we were going to build our family. You know, the Lord had other plans for us. Um, we have fostered uh, some children, and we uh, we were going to pursue a young girl uh, from Asia that ended up passing away. So the mm. Lord hasn't brought that to fruition. Mm. Uh, but in a lot of ways, he has allowed us to be a part of so many family stories uh, and, and so many children's stories that, that we're living vicariously through those families that we help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just curious because, you know, Life Outreach, we've 
we have, we haven't facilitated directly, but more indirectly. We've made connections uh, with some uh, different adoption situations, Eastern Europe, China, back when you could. It's gotten very difficult. Um, and so we're not directly in the business of handling adoptions, but we've, we've connected the people who could who wanted to adopt with, with some viewers actually adopt a little girl that was featured in one of our uh, programs. And she ended up coming here and getting uh, medical attention to where she could see because she was blind at the time as a little girl. And, uh, and she, you know, she graduated college. I think she went on to become a doctor here in the United States. Anyway, so we, we've seen these kinds of stories. But uh, touch on, I, I'm curious about both the international situation um, with adoption, because like I said, I know it's gotten very difficult in China, um, but also the domestic demand for adoption. Yeah, so starting with international, you know, COVID-19 certainly uh, put a put a hold to a lot of international mm. adoption processes. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned, I mean, China being the foremost of those that even today, uh, you know, here almost at the close of 2022, it's still shut down. There's still not an end in sight for over 400 children that were matched and adopted uh, in China by U.S. families. There's still not a way forward yet for those children to come home. I I'm hoping now that we are post-election season here in the U.S. that now our politicians will get together and make a way and go and plead with China to release these children. Uh, however, every other country has reopened to inter-country adoption. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's the, the, the difficulties right now are more on travel. You know, every country has different uh, travel concerns yeah. with COVID. You know, some require tests, some don't. Um, but inter-country adoption is still a great uh, option for families that that are called that are called to care for a child uh, from another country, and we've seen great results even in a post-COVID world of families that have done just that. Hmm. Uh, I think on the domestic side, you know, in in some regards, even uh, even sitting here right five months after the Dobbs decision, uh, we are seeing more women call. We're seeing a whole lot more women that are interested in yeah, adoption really. and want to explore what that looks like. You know, but we haven't yet seen those women give birth, um, right. obviously. So uh, we're, we're hopeful uh, that more women as they're choosing life and as they're in states where, where they have to choose life, uh, that we'll see them explore uh, options such as adoption if that's what's best for them and what's best for their child. How, how hard how hard is it to get that kind of adoption information if I'm a teen, you know, or whatever? I'm a woman, I'm pregnant, uh, I want to explore adoption. Where do they, where, what's the starting point for women? Yeah, so I think always they can go to any uh, crisis pregnancy center or pregnancy mm. resource center uh, in the country. Uh, those are not just outfitted to help you with a pregnancy test and determine pregnancy, but they also want to just help you uh, look at your life affirming options. Like what, what are those life affirming options and what do those look like? Uh, and, you know, and then they can always get in touch with Lifeline at lifelinechild.org. Our, our phone number is on there or, or reach out to us on social media at Lifeline Child. But what we want to do is we want to put those women in a mentor relationship where they're going to have woman to woman counsel. Uh, we're going to help them understand what all their options are. 
And, and really, we don't want to uh, only walk them towards adoption. We want them to explore those life-giving options as well. What does it really look like to be a parent? And, you know, we want them to, to not have regrets that they chose adoption, but we yeah. want them to choose adoption because that's what they feel is best for both them and their child and that it's something that is even catered towards them. So if a woman wants uh, a more open adoption where she has a lot more contact, we want to make sure that we give her those options and she knows what does adoption really look like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not what you see in the Lifetime movies anymore where a woman places her baby for adoption and she is an unknown entity and really will never see her child again. There is so much uh, more that a woman can choose in the adoption process. Uh, she chooses the family, you know, she chooses the level of openness, she chooses where the family lives, what they do. So there, there's there's a lot of choice for her. Mm. And she just needs to make sure that she gets to a place that sees her as a client, not just her child. Uh, that That's interesting, because I mean, it, not not the way it was when, when I was adopted, for sure. I mean, I was, I was 25 years old and digging through court records. And only because I was fortunate enough to know the lawyer who knew the doctor because uh, they were friends who handled my adoption it was private um, and my parents you know blessed that and and I and I tracked her down and I you know I talked to her recently I've got a good relationship with her uh, here's and here's a question I asked her and I'm curious what you hear as you walk through this um, and I did this wasn't like our first meeting this is years later um, <laughs> do uh, do you find that women who give up their babies for adoption live with a sense of shame or guilt after that oftentimes? Yeah, that's a great question. And I know the women that I talk to, uh, I would say the majority of them don't live with guilt or shame. I think they live with a fear, a sense of fear uh, that their child will present them. But I think in the long run, they don't have resentment and they don't have any shame because they look at this as they provide an opportunity for life for their child. And the way that I I help people see is, you know, abortion, it, 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 it stops any opportunity and any hope. So it's a negative hope. It's a negative opportunity. When you place for adoption, yes, there's hurt, there's pain, there's real pain that these women go through. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to minimize that at Mm -hmm. all. However, there's always the opportunity for hope. So what will my child become? What type of life can they live? And and as people made in the image of God, we always want to point women, we always want to point children to opportunities of hope because we have a great God that's working. He's alive and he's active and he is the author and the creator of life. And it's always better to give life the opportunity to flourish and to give life the opportunity of, of great abundant hope, hope in Christ, than it is to snuff that life away and have no idea. So talking to women that have placed for adoption versus women who unfortunately did go the abortion route, most of those women live with shame and regret mm. and and even this deep pit in their stomach of, well, who could that have been? Mm, you know, geez. what would my child have become? Where the women that have placed for adoption always have that that persistent hope of what their child will be and who their child will become. That's at least what I've found. I, I'd be interested, Randy. I know you're interviewing me, but, but <laughs> what your birth what your birth mother said. So when I, I found her um, through court records uh, and the phone book, because she was still in the area, uh, and I, in fact, I grew up not very far from uh, a couple half brothers, you know, and her. Uh, and so when I, when I found her, I, I called her blind, you know, uh, asked and 
identified her by her maiden name and she goes yeah who's this you know <laughs> and i said well you you don't really know me i said but 25 years ago i'm guessing that you made a, a decision that was probably one of the more difficult decisions of your life when you gave me up for adoption it's kind of quiet and i said i just wanted to let you know that i had a wonderful childhood i had loving parents i'm married now i've got two children of my own uh, and I've had a wonderful, wonderful life, and I just wanted to say thank you. And after she quit crying, <laughs> she said, can we meet? And I said, I, I, would, I would love to meet you. And, and, and that was, you know, that was over 25 years ago. And, and like I said, I've, I've got a wonderful rela- relationship with her. And eventually found my biological father. They were not together. And so that's another great story. Um, so, you know, if, if someone's watching and you have either given someone a child up for adoption, uh, or you're contemplating it, just know that you are giving us a Mm. chance, uh, and, and it's okay. It's, it's, Mm. it's a good thing and be confident in that. Uh, and I, you know, I was never resentful. Her, I, I figured that she was probably putting me into a position that she thought was better for me, and in fact, she probably was. Although she, you know, she got married uh, about three, I think three years after I was born, um, and they're still married today. And so her life stabilized. But at the time that I was born, it was very, very difficult for her. And so I, I you know, I, I would say to anyone who is contemplating that, um, if you feel good about it it's, it's, it's good. You know, mm. some of us turn out. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's sort of, that's sort of my experience, obviously as an adoptee. Uh, and, and I am, I am passionate about the topic. Um, my turn to ask the questions though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do want, I do want to, I, I, I like to say that because, um, I don't want women to ever feel shame mm. or the what if, or, hesitation to to go that route um so if i could encourage anyone in that way yeah i want to and i would just say that those are brave women because they are demonstrating unselfish love right yeah um they're not thinking of themselves they're going through nine months of pregnancy thinking about a child and thinking about a family Mm. not thinking about themselves and you know we even see that unselfish love and i like to say you know the adopted mom that's sometimes overlooked in the Mm. uh, or the the birth mother that's sometimes overlooked in the bible uh, is that woman that comes to king solomon in first kings and the story goes that in the middle of the night two women had babies one one woman her baby passed away and so she switched the babies and they come to king solomon and king solomon says i'm going to cut the living baby in half and the birth mother says by no means cut him in half let her have the child Mm. and that's unselfish love that says i don't want anything to happen to my child i don't want my child to die i want my child to flourish and i'd rather another have my child than something happen to my child so that's unselfish love that's brave love and that's what your mom your birth mother has and that's what all of these women who choose adoption have they have a brave unselfish love yeah and and i I just i just know that's true from firsthand experience It's just true. We're talking to Herbie Newell as the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services. uh, And we're celebrating National Adoption Month. Uh, And it's okay. You can celebrate it all 12 months of the year like I do. But um, I just I just love 
uh, you know, shining the spotlight on this. Here's one question that people often have, especially when you get into any kind of abortion uh, discussion or debate. How many are are there enough people who want to adopt for all these children to be born that aren't um, that the, either the parents don't want to have a child or or can't take care of the child? Are there enough adoptive parents? Yeah. So right now we know that there are between anywhere between. That's what common statistics are telling us about a million and two million families that are ready to adopt. So that means they have shown some initiative to say, I want to go through the process of adoption. Uh, last year, Planned Parenthood reported if their numbers are uh, not deflated, they reported 383,000 children that were aborted. So if all of those children were born, we would have had plenty of families mm -hmm. to adopt every last one of those children. Now, of course, Randy, we also know that if you go and say, well, what families would be willing to adopt if given the opportunity, that one to two million is going to grow exponentially. Yeah. So that one to two million are just those that are ready, have started the process in some way, have gotten the ball rolling in some way. But there are millions of more families here in the United States that if they knew of an opportunity and if they knew of a need, I'm assured that they would step forward and say, we will gladly bring this child into our home. You know, the problem here, even at Lifeline with our domestic program is not not that we have too many children and not enough families it's we have so many families but but so many children are being aborted that that there aren't as many placements so right. again 383 million thousand 383 abortions a year and one to two million families that are ready today to adopt it's not a lack of families. Uh, it is that that we live in a culture of death, which eliminates life, as opposed to encouraging people to come around and and to foster and to love and to adopt that life. Yeah, and I I could spend the rest of the program complaining about some of the politicians and the the people that just seem. I mean. They treat an abortion like it's a vacation, you know, it's like, hey, come on out. We'll pay your fair fare and give you a hotel and tickets to Disney World or something. You know, it's like Disneyland would be more accurate. But anyway, I I, I want to I want to do my best to stay focused on the positive side, the adoption side for at least this program. But the, the two are the two are tied together. Um, and just know if you are uh, someone who if, is pro-life. Uh, and you're talking to someone who is pro-abortion, um, and and this issue comes up, just know there are enough people to adopt mm. any child that the mother can't take care of or doesn't want to take care of. Uh, and so that is that is the truth. That is uh, an option. It is the better option. And so choose adoption. How mm. hard is it, Herbie, for... Uh, people who are considering adoption to go through that? Is it expensive? Is it uh, a long vetting process? Is it, is, is it a hassle? Yeah. So, you know, when you look at the vetting process, you know, folks are going to say, well, that's long and arduous, you know, and why is it easy for someone uh, to get pregnant who doesn't want their child, but it's so hard to go through a process. Why do I have to have a home study? Why do I have to get fingerprints and, and background checks? And, and again, all of that is in a fallen world, it's making sure that you're placing a child into a safe place. Mm -hmm. And ultimately we wanna be able to look these women in the face and say, hey, we know these families, we know they're safe, 
We've vetted them. And so you can have the confidence of knowing they are who they say they are. So that process is as much for the protection of the child as it is also for the reassurance of that mom, that birth mother to say, hey, we know these families. They aren't people that just came in off the street. You know, expense. There is a lot of expense involved with adoption. Uh, Now, when you look at it, Randy, again, I think a lot of people realize and look at biological children and say, well, it's not expensive to have children, but it's because we have medical insurance. Right? And <laughs> it's so still expensive. Man. And it's still expensive. <laughs> still That's right. That bill. <laughs> um, you know, but most people have medical insurance and they're paying a deductible or they're paying, you know, some type of premiums. Um, there are real expenses that go into an adoption. But the good news is there's a federal tax credit. It's about $15,000. A lot of states, actually 26 of the 50 states, have a credit as well on state taxes. Mm -hmm. There's so many granting organizations. So uh, Show Hope is one of my favorite out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Life Song for Orphans out of Illinois. ABBA Fund. Uh, even the Coors Family Foundation, there are lots of opportunities. And so So, at Lifeline, we actually have a how to fund your adoption guide. And most of our families will all adopt without any debt. And they will all adopt actually having most of their expense covered through either a grant or or an income tax credit. So those organizations you mentioned are are ones that will help cover the cost of the uh, parents who are adopting. That's correct. And and they stand ready, willing, and able to do so. So I would say domestic adoption is going to be anywhere in the neighborhood of about twenty to twenty five thousand. Now if you go through some private um some private organizations, it could be more. Hmm. Uh, I would say you're gonna to want to look in the twenty to twenty-five range. Those are probably the ones that are ministry that aren't going to pass all the costs to you. I think that's important. You want to look at what the the, the fee arrangement is. Mm. Uh, international adoption is a little bit more, ex- I mean, it is a little bit more expensive right. because of the travel engaged and right. some of the other complexities. I would say it's more in the, the 30 uh, or 25 to 32, uh, 33 range for intercountry adoption. I, I don't think it's, I don't know, maybe it is common knowledge and I just didn't know it, but I don't think the average person at least knows that there are, uh, there is funding oftentimes available for the, the parents who want to adopt. So that's, that right there is very interesting. Let me ask this. If there's someone who wants to fund adoptions, how do they do that? Yeah. So first for that family, it is looking, if you need more information, at our website at lifelinechild.org, we have a how to fund your adoption book that goes through all of those grant organizations mm-hmm. and that goes through all those ways that you can adopt without debt and you can you can actually fundraise for your adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if you are someone who says, you know what, I'm, I'm at a stage or a place where I'm not called to adopt, but I'd love to help someone who is, mm-hmm. you can give to any of those organizations. At Lifeline, we actually have something called the Hope Adoption Fund, and that helps us be able to give scholarships to families that are working with us uh, to help underwrite their fees. A lot of these grant organizations, for instance, will uh, They'll, they'll give you uh, the grants, but they're after the home study or the the, the vetting process. Mm-hmm. So what sure. we want to do, and we're actually running this right now in November, is we'll give money to a family up front to go ahead and start the vetting process. So they don't have any money out of pocket to go ahead and get vetted, and then they can start to get the grants from places like Show Hope and Life Song and Abba Fund, especially for those families who may not have 
uh, any money right now. Yeah. They can have enough money to raise a child, but they don't have the extra money to go through the adoption process. So we want to help families and underwrite that process. But um, there's, they would, I know Show Hope and Life Song and Abba Fund and all of those would be glad uh, to have someone who wants to come in and, and underwrite those adoptions. And then the other thing is a lot of churches now have adoption funds. Oh, wow. um, most of those funds are, are actually run by Life Song for Orphans, who we mentioned previously. Uh, but you could also go to your church and say, hey, I want to help families in our church family who are called to adopt. Oh, yeah. And that's another option. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I love it. Now, does Lifeline uh, operate in all 50 states? Is, is it or is it a state by state thing? So we work with families in all 50 states okay. and women in all 50 states. The only thing we're precluded from the 50 states is our foster care program. So we can only, uh, if someone's wanting to be a foster parent, we can only help those families in the 17 states, which were licensed. Okay. But if you want to adopt or you're a woman that wants to talk about uh, what placing a child for adoption would look like, we can work with anyone in all 50 states. What about Canada? Can't do Canada. So we, we're, we're, uh, Unfortunately, we're limited to the United States. So yeah. So if you're if you're north of the border, you'll have to check into the, uh, you know, what it looks like in your country. And I, I expect that that's kind of if it's kind of a country by country thing. I would I would think. So it is. Now, if you're a, a United States citizen or green card holder and you live abroad, so an expat or someone who lives abroad that's a green card holder, a passport holder. Um, as long as one parent is a U.S. citizen or a green card holder, we can't help those families really? adopt. Interesting. We can't, yeah. Interesting. All right, man, this has been so informative and educational. And I felt like I knew a lot, but I learned a lot just just, just talking through this. This is great. And I think everybody should know this, especially if you're you know, somewhat active in, in the pro-life movement, because this is, this is a part of it. So is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to mention before I let you go? Yeah, I would just say, you know, I know right now in this post-row world that one of the things that the pro-abortion lobby is trying to do is not just attack our pregnancy resource centers, but they're really trying to attack the idea of adoption. And so I think as pro-life people, we need to be able to know what adoption looks like. We need to be able to speak of it uh, informatively, and we need to speak out and say that, that abortion um, should not be a form of birth control. Um, abortion should be illegal, and we need to make sure that all of our life options are front and center and that women know what those are and they know how to edu educatingly choose one. And so what better time than National Adoption Month to let that woman maybe on your street, in your sphere of influence, who's going through an unplanned or crisis pregnancy, know not only about the option of adoption, but that you would come around her and say, hey, we'll support you. If you want to be a parent, um, if you have someone you want to get married to, to help raise that child, or if you want to look at adoption, we want to support you and walk life with you. So I hope that as pro-life people, we won't just be pro-baby and pro-child, but we will be pro-woman in helping her know what her choices are. And historically, we have been. It's been the churches doing a lot of these adoption things and, and all the, the crisis pregnancy stuff, and we're not going to stop. And so if you are in need or if you want to be involved or just help other people that are adopting, uh, you just you got a lot of opportunities. Uh, check out lifelinechild.org, uh, and you can link to other great organizations. Uh, just just do something, you know? Let's do something. Herbie, thanks again. I appreciate your insight and your time. Oh, thanks, Randy. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate all you guys out there. Hit share.
I mean, come on. This is, we're about to get into the Christmas season, and we're talking about a, a birth that changed the world. And, you know, you never know. Uh, you get involved in, in adoption uh, and helping others and spreading the word. You, you could change the world. So I think it's possible. I'm doing my part, and I'm an adoptee. <laughs> Appreciate you being here. Come back. we got more for you. Uh, lots of good information and inspiration, so come back. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. To believe him, to receive him, and to receive the healing from body, mind, and soul.